Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, you know what? I think we have a show that a lot of people can really benefit from. And just last week when I was at the detention center, I was speaking with the kids, and I had our guest, I had his bio with me. And the first thing the kids said when they saw it was, wow, how in the world can one person do so much? (laughs) You know how it is, Brian, when we go out there to the detention center, and so many of these kids, they feel that where they are, that is it. It's like they can't dream a lot of times because of their environment. But what you and I do, we try to go out and we try to tell them that you can do more, you can be more, and you can have more. And what we do is we show them people like Mr. Dr. Pinkett that's doing wonderful things, and they absolutely love it. Now they're saying, you know, Mr. Turner, can you bring me a book on business? Can you bring me this or that? Now they're they're all energized and they want to they want to do something. So what what do you think, Brian, when, of me going out there and taking this information to the kids? You know, I think it's beneficial not just for them but for everyone to see people who, you know, are living their dream. Yes. And who are aspiring to do more. Yes. You know, and you know that's why I just thought it was just you know I'm tickled pink to have Dr. Pinkett on with us tonight. Yeah. Because you know he's uh he's an inspiration for me, and um, you know, I might giggle a little bit, or laugh a little bit, but you know I want let's formally introduce him. Yes, go ahead, go ahead and bring him in. We have with us tonight for all of our listeners, entrepreneur, speaker, author, and community servant, Dr. Randall Pinkett. Are you there, <laughs> sir? Right here, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on, Gregory and Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, Dr. Pinkett, you heard me talking about the the kids because what Brian and I do, we go into the jails, prisons, and detention centers, and we speak to these kids, and we try to uh, motivate them into, you know, doing what God has created them to do. Uh, If if you had an opportunity to speak with them, what would would you say to them? I I would basically echo... Uh, many of the comments that you gentlemen made during your opening remarks that don't let your your surroundings or your environment limit your sense of, of possibility. Uh, to me, it, it's, a, it's a tragedy when, as a result of, you know, our, our circumstances, our aspirations, or, or our, our, our opinion of what it is that we can accomplish is, uh, is somehow diminished. Uh, that, that to me is, is a tragedy because uh, if I've learned anything from from my life, and I'm you know I, I guess I'm still kind of young, uh, but if I've learned anything, it's that uh, we all have limitless possibilities. We all and we all more importantly have God-given blessings and talents, and it's just a matter of being able to see our greatness. Uh, and, and and unfortunately, uh, or the reality in my opinion is that is that you know. At the end of the day, you, you know you have to be able to see that greatness. Uh, others can tell you about it, or they can try to convince you. But if you don't see it, then you can never achieve it. And the challenge is really helping our young people to know and to believe that they have greatness within them because they do. Yeah, you know, Dr. Pinkett, what's your definition of success? For me, success is 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 basically. It's, to me, it's measured by how many other people you're able to help become successful. And, you know, part of that is, is fulfilling our individual destiny and uh, the journey of uh, determining what God and, and his plan is for us. Uh, but more importantly, um, helping others to discover their, their plan and their purpose, uh, inspiring others, mentoring others, giving back to the community, uh, recognizing that none of us are where we are on our own initiative or our own abilities or our own accord, that I don't care who you are, there is someone or some ones who, 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 who kicked down a door or uh, you know, jumped over a hurdle or, or made it just a little easier for you to be where you are. And I believe we all have a responsibility 
to do the same thing for others. So for me, success is, success is defined by those that you're able to help become successful. Yes. One of the things, one of the top things that Brian and I, when we go out and speak to people and, and to the kids and to the adults as well in the prisons, one of the things that we say to them is you have to prepare. You have to really have yourself organized in the steps that you want to take and to do what you want to do. And and one of the things that we also learned from talking to the kids and to, to the adults that, that, were, that are in there, they want to do so many different things, and they try to do all these different things at one time, and it's a little bit much for them. It, I guess it's just hard for them to focus on one thing and do that one thing that you're good at. No, I completely agree. Uh, I believe that focusing in on becoming good, if not great, at one thing is is kind of the uh, kind of kind of the, the pathway to success. I, I, I don't believe in being a jack or a jane of all trades and then the master of none. Uh, I believe that you you achieve greatness by being very good at, at something. And you know, I have a I had a pastor when I lived in Boston, and I was in graduate school. He gave me some really good advice. He said, Randall, you know, you could do a lot of things. You know, you could be a a, a professor, you could be an entrepreneur, you could be a politician, uh, you could be a corporate executive. He said, but you gotta. He said, pick one thing that you love, and just go very deep on learning it and mastering it and becoming very very good at it. He said, because once you do that, you can branch off into other areas. But he said, ask yourself the question, what do you want to be known as? Do you want to be known as a businessman, known as a politician, known as a, who knows, great public speaker, as an author? He said, just what do you want to be known for? And that's what you should focus on first. And for me, the answer was wanting to be an entrepreneur, wanting to be a, a business owner. Uh, and to do that in the technology arena. Uh, and I look even at, 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 at Donald Trump as an example, and, and you, know, you, you know, putting aside you know, anyone's opinion of, of him as a businessman, at the end of the day, he learned and mastered real estate. Yes, yes. You know, long before he got into casinos or Miss USA or television or you know, his own line of suits or watches or anything else that he's done, he first learned and mastered real estate. And then from there, he branched off. And I could you know, look at other examples. I mean, Will Smith became good at, at, at hip-hop, uh, branched off into acting and into, you know, producing, and the list goes on. You know, I mean, there's just a, a long list. Queen Latifah, uh, Usher. I mean, folks that, again, became great at something and then allowed that to be a launching pad for other things. Shaquille O'Neal, the list just goes on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Dr. Pinkett, I was thinking about uh, it was something you said, the definition of success is that you have someone that you help to also become successful. What would be your recipe for success? Well, what I just described a moment ago was part of the recipe. Uh, I mean, if I had to simplify it, I would say it's three things. It's one, exploring and finding what it is that – represents your God-given, your God-given talents. I firmly believe that everyone has God-given talents, and it's not a question of if, it's a question of what. And part of life's exploration is finding what that is. Um, second is, I don't care what your blessing, I don't care what it is, you're going to have to put in the time and the effort and the sweat equity to cultivate that talent. I don't know anyone who's great at what they do that didn't have to hone and develop that talent to a level of proficiency. Uh, we can often assume that it came easy to uh, the Michael Jordans of the world or, or whomever else has elevated themselves to the, you know, you know, kind of the kind of top tier of their profession. But rest assured, you know, if you sit down and talk to Tiger Woods or Serena Williams or Michael Jordan, the number of hours that they put in is, is unbelievable uh, to get to where they are today. Uh, and then third is finding the intersection between preparation and opportunity. You know, the blessings and the hard work prepare you, and then I believe life uh, eventually brings to you an, uh, opportunities, and then it's incumbent upon you to be ready and prepared to take advantage of those opportunities. 
Right. So basically you're saying to be prepared by see well first you said to be uh to find something you're very good at and then you said proper preparation, be prepared for it. And then finally you say seize the moment. Well, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, but no, you got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that that, that captures it. You know, and I think that's 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 just awesome because you know I've heard people talk about different definitions, but yours was just so simplified and easy to to pick up and remember. You know, one of the other things that um that Greg and I do, and I go out and I talk to kids about abstinence education and the, the importance for them to be abstinent until they get married. You know, what were some of the things when you were a child that were that you believe were hindrances? or uh, consequently were, you know, enablers for you to become who you are now? Well, I, I would say without question, uh, you know, the enablers have been the people around me, and that's everyone from uh, my parents, uh, particularly during my early years, to my friends, particularly during, during my latter years, uh, I tell young people all the time, show me your friends and show me your future, that the people you surround yourself with can influence you positively or they can influence you negatively. And we don't talk enough about positive peer pressure, but I would argue that I'm a, I'm, I'm a product of positive peer pressure. And I'll just give you one quick example. People kind of marvel at the fact that I have, you know, these five academic degrees, but my roommate in college has five degrees too. And this guy has uh, two degrees from Rutgers, a master's from Georgia Tech, uh, and then a master's and a PhD from Columbia. So, and, and you know, and we're you know, we're the closest of friends to this day. So we've influenced each other in very positive ways. Um, so I, I think the friends and family have been a huge influence. Uh, I mean, my wife has been uh, supportive of me. Uh, it, it was it was her idea for me to go on The Apprentice. It wasn't my idea. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> and I, I can say with conviction that I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone on if it wasn't for her. Uh, and I toyed with the idea, but she 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 went ahead and got the application and, and put it on my desk, and uh, that was what led me to submitting uh, my name for the competition. Yeah. Uh, in terms of of hindrances, you know, I think if anything, uh, certainly the, the 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 challenges that that I guess many of us face uh, with trying to fit in. And I think your, your comments about abstinence are, are definitely part of that conversation because, you know, going against the crowd and going against the norm and going against what's, pop, what's popular uh, has always, was always a challenge for me when I was, when I was young. Uh, you know, trying to just fit in and make friends and be accepted and find my identity uh, was, I would, I would say it was, it, was a, it was a bit of a struggle for me. Uh, particularly as as an African American who grew up in a predominantly white uh, community, it was difficult for me to see a reflection of myself and to define myself in in ways that kind of honored my my history and my culture, but were also true to um, to who I am and, and and who I endeavored to be. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of young people can relate to that, and I think a lot of adults can look back and relate to that, and it's you know kind of easier said than done. Yes, yes. Uh, this is Greg, Dr. Pinkett. You know, we talked about being prepared, and we talked about your definition of success. You know, when you're fighting for your dreams and your goals, there's a lot of trials and tribulations that, that are going to just come out of nowhere. How did you – what was it that you pulled from to make you continue to, to fight for this thing? And it, I, know you, I know it was a desire, for you to do what you're doing. And I know that there were a lot of hurdles that you had to, to cross. But what was that thing that kept you focused to the point where you said, listen, I'm not giving this up. This is what I know that I was called to be. Well, I, I, it's, 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 two, it's two, two, twofold, and it, it gets back to our, to our earlier conversation. I still, so I'd say it was twofold for me. Uh, you know, I, I can't say that I had a very clear sense of direction when I was when I was younger. I was experimenting with a great many things. I, I knew I was I was naturally blessed in, in math and science and technology, uh, but it wasn't until I got to college that 
uh, one of my childhood friends who uh, also attended Rutgers along with me, uh, a young man named Wayne Abbott who was two years older than me. Uh, Wayne started a company selling T-shirts when I was at Rutgers. And needless to say, Wayne inspired me to consider a career as a business owner, which I had never considered before, even though looking back on my years growing up, I had always been involved in a lot of, I'll call it side hustles, um, selling candy or um, trying to make a quick dollar, uh, selling my old toys, the list goes on. But Wayne really inspired me to consider my, my, my future as a business owner, and it was because I, I was so passionate about that and because I was so inspired by wanting to go down that route that I, I, I honestly believe it, it gave me the motivation and the wherewithal to say, I, you know, I have a goal, I have a, a dream, I have a vision that I believe I can accomplish, that I believe, uh, I believe in and that I, I'm equipped to pursue. Uh, and then I would say in addition to that was just recognizing the fact that you know, my mother and my father, uh, you know, sacrificed a lot for me to have opportunity. Right. And my father passed away when I was in high school, and my mother, uh, you know, at times had to work two jobs. And just seeing the strength that she demonstrated, uh, I said to myself, the least I could do is to, to honor her sacrifices and my father's sacrifices and and take advantage of the opportunities that have been presented to me. So... It was really a combination of uh, the sense of obligation to, to my parents along with the sense of, of, uh, of purpose uh, that was inspired by, by Wayne. Okay. And, you know, you, you said your wife kind of pushed you a little bit to be on The Apprentice, and she put the application on your desk. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say something, and I want you to tell me what you think of this statement. When you're, when you're ready the teacher will appear. Have you ever heard that statement before? I've not heard that before. When you're ready for something, you know, when we make a decision, this is what we're going to do, do you think God just sent his, his, his helpers to help you do what it is that you're called to do? Yeah, I, I believe, I, I believe there's, there, there is something in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I do. And I talked before about... Uh, the you know the kind of metaphor of of success being at the intersection between preparation and opportunity. You know, I, I I'm I'm not a big believer in luck. Right. I don't believe you know I, I believe there are certain things that do take place because of just luck or uh, serendipity. But I I don't believe I'm not a big believer in luck. I'm, I'm a big believer in preparation. And as you said, I believe that when you are prepared that opportunities do present themselves. And I do believe that God does have a, play a hand in uh, kind of presenting those opportunities to you, that, you know, he, he'll never give you more than you can handle, um, but he'll always give you what you need. And to the extent that, he, you know, he, he, he works through others, uh, that he'll send teachers, he'll send mentors, he'll send people to give you a supportive word or an encouraging word, I believe in all of that. And I believe that life is a manifestation of of, of those um, seen and unseen uh, kind of forces that, that that work within our life. Okay. Okay. Good. Yes, Doctor Pinker, we have a caller who has been patiently waiting on the line, and we'd like to go to him. I think he has some interesting questions for you. Caller from the six seven eight area. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. We hear you just fine. Welcome to the Above Solutions Hour. You're on with uh, Randall Pinkett. Yeah, I was just wanting to ask Randall. You know, first of all, when I saw you on The Apprentice, as soon as I saw your credentials, I knew you were going to win. It was just, it was just. I, I was really impressed by the fact that you are a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, but the second question I had, the second thing I was going to say is, what advice do you give someone who is disabled who wants to be an entrepreneur? I, I would I would say a few things. Uh, first, I, I would I would I would say this: the fact that that someone is disabled uh, should in no way, shape, or form 
uh, deter or prevent them from pursuing entrepreneurship. Uh, I, I see I see absolutely no reason why someone who's disabled could could not in, in in all ways be successful as an entrepreneur. Now, having said that, I would suggest this that I would actually see being disabled, believe it or not, as an asset to becoming an entrepreneur because I have to believe that uh, someone disabled, although I, I wouldn't relegate them to only thinking about businesses that relate to being disabled, I would also suggest that there may be fertile ground for them to think about businesses, products, services, opportunities that are not being provided uh, to the disabled community. Uh, you know, I, I have a book out now called uh, Campus CEO, The Student Entrepreneur's Guide to Launching a Multi-Million Dollar Business. And in the book, I talk about these five forms of capital that can lead to launching a venture. Uh, the one that we typically think of is financial capital, which is money. But there's also social capital, which is relationships, intellectual capital, which is the synergy between your team, uh, human capital, which is the skills and abilities that you bring to the table. And then lastly is what I call cultural capital. And I describe cultural capital as having unique insight to a market or a customer base or an opportunity. And I would just say that for someone disabled, they certainly bring a measure of cultural capital as it relates to the disabled community, which I would certainly think is, again, potential fertile ground for launching a venture. So uh, I, would just, I would just encourage anyone, uh, yourself or others who are listening that are disabled, to, to, uh, to not anything hold you back and to see you being disabled as, as an asset. Okay. Well, thank you. That answers my question. I have cerebral palsy, but I don't want to uh, take up time to the callers, but you really, you really did answer my question. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thanks for calling in. Yes, wow, that was a very, very good question. You know, Dr. Pinkett, I, um, I know a lot of individuals who think that they can't do something because of some of the past things that happened to them. Um, like, unfortunately, they were, you know, in trouble with the law or they had a, you know, a disablement or something like that. And, you know, if they're listening, they're, they're probably clapping their hands and saying, wow, I can still do it. You know, I can still get involved. You know, so that question was actually one that was for me. <laughs> okay. You know, wow, the callers, the callers are calling in now. They're lighting up. Let's go to the next caller, Greg. Go ahead. Oh, I think we just oh, lost, must have lost them. Okay, well, they'll call back in. Callers call in. Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I wanted to ask Dr. Pinkett to talk a little bit about uh, one of his business ventures that he's involved with in, as it regards to technology. Yeah. Uh, did you have a question, or you want me to talk about what I'm doing now with my current company? Just talk a little bit about your current company. Uh, currently, I, I serve as the, the, the chairman and CEO of BCT Partners, a uh, consulting firm headquartered in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, the two areas that we specialize in are information technology and organizational development. Uh, our information technology practice is largely focused on federal, state, and local government. Uh, we provide a, an array of, of IT consulting services to, uh, to the public sector from uh, systems integration to uh, software development, uh, as well as the uh, kind of technology strategy, technology planning, technology assessment uh, kinds of services to help government agencies think through how they can best utilize their infrastructure or how they can model best practices for uh, government technology. Uh, our organizational development practice is largely uh, providing technical assistance, providing strategic planning, providing training and facilitation for organizations uh, in five industries, those industries being uh, first, housing and community development, second, economic development, third, human services, fourth, education, and the fifth sector is healthcare. 
Uh, so we work with organizations, both private and nonprofit, in those in those in those areas, uh, providing kind of uh, direct assistance, on-site assistance, remote assistance to help them uh, do what they do better. Uh, we've been in business now for seven years. Uh, all three of my business partners are uh, fellow classmates from Rutgers, and uh, we are, uh, you know, basically. Uh, trying to establish ourselves as a kind of a long-standing, viable institution that can continue continue to do this work for years and years and years after the founders have have moved on. Wow! You know, the thing I like is the fact that your business deals with helping people, especially yeah. the part where you're working with nonprofit agencies. Yes. And, yes. You know, you're working with housing and human development. That's that's just so key, and I think that's a testament to your success. Well, I, I appreciate that. We, we, we describe ourselves at, at BCT as uh, social entrepreneurs. Uh, we consider BCT a, a social venture, and uh, in our mission uh, is, is stated as follows, that uh, BCT Partners is a socially responsible consulting firm that develops solutions to complex problems with a spirit of commitment, integrity, and excellence. And we, we, we take to heart uh, the fact that we do a lot of work in, in low-income communities, in underserved communities, in, uh, in urban, uh, urban cities, uh, from you know, the city of Newark where we're headquartered to uh, literally communities across the country that, uh, you know, the organizations there, be it nonprofit or government or, or private, are, are are looking for assistance or for solutions in in how to help the help the community to you know to to, to be stronger for families and residents to improve their quality of life. Yeah, awesome, awesome. We have our caller back on the line, and I'd like to go to them. I'm sure they're patiently been waiting. So, caller from the six seven zero area code, are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Do you have a question or a comment for Dr. Pinkett? Yes, I do. Um, I was wondering what lessons do you think were instilled in you as a child to help you be the man you are today? Well, it's, it's interesting. This is a great question. And, you know, many of the lessons that I learned when I was young I learned almost indirectly through the example or the examples that were given to me from from other adults. So, uh, my mother is, is a great example. Uh, you know, I learned uh, a lot of. I mean, I learned a lot of lessons from my mother. Uh, many just by uh, her being who she was uh, on a day-to-day basis. You know, hard work. And my mother used to always say things like, "If you're going to do something, do it right, or or don't do it at all." Uh, you know, if uh, if you're going to commit to something, then then then, then you give it your all. Um, you know, she she was punctual. She did everything uh, to a level of, of excellence and proficiency uh, in everything that she did, whether it was it was keeping the house or or, or doing her job or disciplining me and my brother. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, in terms of, I mean, you know, hard work. Um, you know, a commitment to excellence. Um, taking pride in what you do, and and perhaps above all, uh, doing unto others as you would have others do unto you. Just treating people with respect. Um, you know, I grew up in the church. My mother is, is a woman of faith, and uh, I would say that lesson, along with to whom much is given, much much is expected, uh, are all lessons I learned growing up. Yes, caller, do you have another question? I, I you're in the chat room, uh, Dr. Pinkett. She was in the chat room, and she I think she said she had several questions for you. So. If you have another question, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, during um, the season you were on The Apprentice, um, we got to see that you, know, you suffered a really, um, I don't even know the right word for it, but a huge loss. Um, you lost your grandmother. Um, how are you dealing with that today? And the reason why I ask is because I lost my grandmother in um, 86, in April of 86. And uh, twenty plus years later, I'm still I still miss her. <laughs> I still cry over her. Well, I, I, I can I can certainly relate uh, to to your experience. Um, 
no, no, nothing can replace the the presence of of, of loved ones. And uh, my grandmother was was a pillar for for our family, and it, it was hard to imagine, and it's arguably still hard to imagine uh, living in this world without her. Uh, part of me. Uh, like you, uh, longs for her and, 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 and misses her. And then there's a part of me that also feels as though she, she's still here. Uh, and particularly uh, in the wake of, 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 of losing her on the show, I, uh, I, I essentially you know, kind of dedicated my efforts to, to her memory and to her, and to her spirit. Um, and it was my grandfather who, who it was my grandfather who advised me to, to stay on the show because I was inclined to leave and, and to not come back and to spend that time with the family and friends. But my, it was my grandfather who, who basically said, you know, your grandmother would have wanted you to stay, so, so don't, you know, I came home for the, for the funeral, as you know, but I, I returned uh, to, the, to the show to com- continue to com- compete. And, you know, I think about the, the people whose lives I've been able to touch uh, you know, primarily, if not exclusively, because I, I was the winner of the show. Uh, you know, I might not be having this conversation right now, truth be told, if I hadn't returned to the show. So I think about the lives and people I've been able to touch, and, and you know, and, and I have to believe that that, that there's, there's a part of that that is a reflection of my grandmother's legacy. So, um, you know, I, I would just encourage you to to honor you know your grandmother's memory and and, and not to let go, um, but to also think about how her life and her legacy continues to live through you. Oh, I, I do, and I want to thank you for that. And um, I know you have other callers waiting for you, so I'm going to make this comment really quick. I just want to tell you that, you know, it wasn't really about you winning, even though we were all, you know, I was ecstatic when you won. However, you touched me before you won. Even if you hadn't won, you would have touched me. Um, I respect the way you carried yourself. I respect your love of God, your love of your wife and your family, and um, just the way you carried yourself. So um, you definitely were an asset to Donald Trump and and the show, and I have much respect for you, and I wish you continued success, and I, and I hope you continue to give back to the community. We're proud of you. Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. God bless you. I, I really do appreciate that. All right. You take care. You too. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for calling in. Wow, I think we just started a firestorm because our phone lines are lighting up. <laughs> we have another caller. You don't mind us taking the calls, do you, sir? I love the calls. Keep All right, coming. I just want to make sure. Want to make sure. All right, we have another caller from the nine oh nine area code. Caller, chime in. Hi, this is Dr. Wright. How are you guys? Hey, how are you right. doing? Great, great. I met uh, Randall and uh, his wife at the NAACP, uh, you know, a celebration. It was like right after you won, you and your wife were standing there, and, and you guys were so elegant, and it was just really great to meet you. I know you don't remember because there was a thousand people there, but <laughs> it was a little after-party thing. I would like to know, and of course we're very proud of you, just like she said. But I would like to know about your next book. You're focused on the book, the first book was focused on college entrepreneurs. What's going to be your next book? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I I, uh, I I I I just released uh, an audio book. It's called uh, the No Money Down CEO. Uh, the subtitle is How to Start Your Dream Business with Little or No Cash. Wow, and, okay. Yeah, you can learn more about that at, at my website, randallpinkett.com. Uh, that is geared toward a, a broader audience than my first book, Campus CEO, which, as you, as you mentioned, was for students. Uh, and it talks about uh, how do you get a company off the ground with, with no money, which, which uh, certainly was the case for me. Uh, I did not have any money uh, whatsoever when I launched BCT Partners. And I know it's the case for many others who... Uh, you know, are lacking significant financial resources to get a venture off the ground. Uh, but one of the key messages in No Money Down CEO is that the fact of the matter is most companies are started with little or no money. Um, it's about 80% of, of, uh, of new ventures are started through a combination of personal resources and those of family and friends. And about 50% of high-growth businesses, uh, half of, of, of high-growth businesses are started with uh, $20,000 or less. 
13% are started with $1,000 or less. Uh, so I, I kind of explode the myth that you have to have a lot of money and then talk about what to do if you don't have a lot of money. Uh, and then lastly, I'm, I'm currently working on my third, uh, third product, which is called Black Faces in White Places. Wow. And this book is geared toward African Americans. Uh, the subtitle is 10 Strategies for African Americans to Redefine the Game. And uh, I talk about uh, 10 strategies for African Americans or other people of color who find themselves as uh, the only one or one of a few uh, people of color in some predominantly white uh, institution, be it a, a college or a corporation or a boardroom or, or what have you, uh, how do you navigate those institutions, uh, maintain identity, but also help to uh, advance uh, the cause of, of equity and uh, in kind of leveling the playing field? I definitely need that book. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, and keep up the great work. I'll be listening uh, online, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Dr. Pinkett, you, 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 this new book that you're writing is, I'll tell you what, when, when I saw you on The Apprentice, I was thinking, what kind of obstacles are you being faced with? What is it that he's being faced with other than just being on the show? What, I mean, was the pressure great, or, or how was it? Uh, well, that, that, that's a that's a good question. Uh, you know, there there are there are uh, uh, there are myriad pressures uh, for, uh, on the show. I, I I can describe it from from my vantage point. Uh, one pressure was the pressure of being the only black male on this. You know, uh, on on that season, and you know, every season has pretty much had one black male. And even during the casting process, the producers asked me, you know, are you, are you going to be comfortable being the black guy on the show? And for better or worse, uh, and I say better or worse, uh, being perceived as a representative of all black men, if not all black people. Uh, my response to them was, well, I, I, you know, that's, that, that's been my entire life. So, no, uh, that, that wasn't a tremendous pressure. But, but I, I was still mindful that I didn't, uh, mindful of not, uh, so I say mindful of wanting to be a positive representation. Um, sometimes I think I worried about it a bit too much, uh, to be honest. But nonetheless, it was it was a pressure. Uh, the second pressure was uh, just being in uh, you know a uh, competitive environment with other Type A personalities who are uh, friends one day and foes the next, uh, and that required a bit of a reorientation of my thinking because many of the environments that I've been in, including at BCT, are environments where the people I'm working with are, 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 are genuinely there to support me and I'm there to support them, whereas on The Apprentice, it's, it's a combination of both. Well, I'm here to support you while we're on task and if we have a chance of winning, but if we have a chance of losing or if we've lost, then I'm, I'm now your enemy. So I had to learn to maneuver a little more carefully than I was accustomed to. Uh, and then third was the, the physical and the psychological challenge. Uh, you know, the, the show is aired on a weekly basis, but the, the tasks take place uh, kind of back-to-back. -back. There's no breaks in between the tasks. So uh, it, it looked a lot easier watching it than it was to live it. And I was literally physically drained at the end of every task because, you know, we were pulling all-nighters, uh, we weren't eating right, we weren't getting much sleep, we were constantly on the go, and, you know, with cameras in your face, uh, you know, 24-7. Uh, so it was very taxing. Uh, and, I, and I'm a former college athlete, so I, mean, I, I came in with a decent level of, of stamina, but it still beat me down. And uh, even when I was watching the show unfold on TV from week to week, I could see in my face the uh, you know the uh, the look of, of of a drained and tired man uh, as I looked at just my expression during interviews and the like. So those were the three pressures that I was dealing with uh, being on the show. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yes, Dr. Pinky, we have another caller caller from the four zero four area code. Are you there? 
You guys know who this is. With my rat, I'm hoarse. I'm hoarse. All right. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're doing oh. great, Miss April. How are you? I am wonderful. I was just tuned in, and um, I just wanted to say um, I really appreciate the fact that they showed a black man in the light that they showed you. Because society has it to where, you know, like our men can't be anything or, or if they are, you know, they're hustling or they're not really educated. But there's so many educated, um, well-grounded spiritual brothers out there. I, it just amazed me to, that they only have one. And that just lets me know how inferior others, I won't call any races, but others <laughs> are to the black man. So I just really wanted to say you represented yourself very well. You know, we didn't have to deal with the gold teeth and all that other stuff. And because I want people to know, see, that there are different types of black men. Everybody is not the same. But media shows the same thing. But I'm just happy that, you know, they did allow you to come on the show and, you know, show what a true brother is, period. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I appreciate your comments, and I wholeheartedly agree. And when I, when I submitted my application to go on the show, I'll be honest in saying I was very skeptical as to whether they would put me on. Uh, I honestly believe that I was not the kind of candidate they were looking for because I'm not controversial. Uh, I don't fit, you know, the, uh, you know, the kind of stereotype that, that, you know, that you've described and that we know to be uh, not true. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised when they gave me the nod to, to put me on, uh, and I was particularly proud to, to have that opportunity to put an, a positive image of black men on TV, uh, to not be an athlete or, or a rapper or a hip-hop artist. And that's not to say that I have anything against athletes or hip-hop artists because, I, again, I was an athlete in college, but more to say what you just said, which is that we don't have enough diversity of what it means to be a black man on TV, that if all we see is athletes and hip-hop artists, that, pre that presents a very skewed reality of what we know to be the beautiful diversity of black men. So um, even, if it was, even if it was for 14 weeks, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud to say I had the opportunity to put that image out there uh, to 14 million people every week. And, you know, the, the, the beauty of reality TV is that I wasn't playing a black man with five degrees. I wasn't playing a black man who's a Rhodes Scholar. That's just who I am. Wow. wow. And we appreciate it. We appreciate it. We, we do. The sisters, we appreciate it because that gives us hope. <laughs> so we appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Greg and Brian. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for so calling in. You know, that, that's one thing that, that really just set well with me, the fact that, you know, your last statement about not just playing this guy on TV. You know how you see that commercial? I'll just play a doctor on TV. I'm a real doctor, you know? <laughs> that, that's just wonderful, you know, because, again, we don't see enough of those positive role models, those people that are doing the right thing, that are living the right way, and are enjoying a lifestyle that's not, you know, demeaning or disconcerting or anything like that. You know, and so, again... I applaud you, and I know Greg does as well, oh, yeah. for, yeah. you know, just being who you are. I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, and, and, and at, the, at, the, at, the, you know, at the same token, and, and you guys, and I'm sure your listening audience can appreciate, you know, I, I, I'm not that different than others that are in, in, in my community or in, in my circle or your circle or other circles. Again, it's just not, uh, it's not as prevalent uh, on on television as as it should be, uh, so everybody that knows me from my days at Rutgers or you know my years growing up in New Jersey or what have you knows that when they saw me on TV they said that you know that's just Rand you know that's the, you know and and Rand is like is like Jeff and Rand is like Larry and Rand is like Dallas and the list goes on. Um, fortunately, I just had a chance to you know to go on network television and to to do what we do, uh, which is to. To, you know, to, to represent and to uh, put forward our best, you know, our, our best foot, and and uh, and to just again uh, just have that positive image on TV. Yes, Dr. Pinkett, I have one of our um, callers in the chat room, and I think she wants to get your book, but she wants to get it autographed. But uh, I, I'll talk with you about that after the show. Uh, her question was: Is how do you deal with others' perception of the, of, of us? based on their ignorance or prejudice? 
It's a, it's a good question. I believe that uh, demonstrating a level of excellence is not a silver bullet for negative perceptions, but it is a darn good uh, counter strategy that I, I, I can't waste my time or energy necessarily worrying uh, about others' perceptions or their image uh, of me as a black man. I, I certainly need to be conscious of it, and I need to be aware of it, but I don't worry about it. Um, but I focus my time and energy on is, 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 is having an internal standard of excellence uh, that I hold myself uh, to a standard of excellence that I know reflects uh, the great legacy of, of our people and our community and also reflects uh, the sacrifices and the commitments that others have made for me to have opportunity. And I let that speak for itself. Uh, and I, I do believe that, uh, you know, that perceptions and opinions and all of that is, is a shifting sand that continues to evolve and continues to, uh, to, to be shaped by how we interact with others and what we present to others. So uh, if you want to change people's perceptions and if we want to change societal stereotypes, then let your actions speak loudest yeah. uh, and let others therefore draw their own conclusions. And if they choose to acknowledge it, that's all the better. If they choose not to, just keep on rolling forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. wow. You know, you're going to be here in Tallahassee, Florida on, the, on February 29th coming to speak to the business school, I believe. Yes, I'll be at the School of Business and Industry for Florida A&M University. I'll be coming to uh, participate in a, uh, a one-day seminar that's being hosted at Florida A&M that is called Invention to Venture. It's a, a workshop focused on uh, technology entrepreneurship, both for the, the student population but also for the broader community in Tallahassee. So I'll be talking a lot about uh, entrepreneurship, uh, a particular spin uh, as a technology entrepreneur, but I'll be talking about entrepreneurship as a, uh, for my visit to School of Business and Industry at, at Florida A&M. Yes, yes, that's my alma mater, so I had to make sure I got that out. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. You know, and I think it's important that you go out and do those type of things because, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, doing what you do, you know, most people who, quote, unquote, have made it don't really reach back. But that's sort of your whole focus of what you do. You know, your whole, like when you, you, you call it social, what do you call it? And I'm sorry, it's social uh, entrepreneurship. Yes. And, you know, I just think that's a novel concept because I had not heard that term until, you know, I had n never seen that term until I read it on your website. And I'm like, wow, that's really <laughs> cool. You know, you hear social, you know, responsibility, you know, social awareness, but never social entrepreneurship. And that's basically taking the level of, you know, of achieving your dream and making it personal making it not just a financial issue, not just a, you know, fiscal whatever, but a personal, taking it to heart, you know, and I just think that's great, you know, just that the fact that you that you don't want to hide what you have, you know, you don't want to just take it in, like they say in uh, in my favorite book, put it under a bushel, you know, you want it to be up on the hill where everybody can see it. So I'm glad you're coming to the highest of seven hills. See how I plug my school? That's because I love family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to coming. To, uh, actually, back back to FAMU. I was there uh, prior to the apprentice. I have a good friend who's a professor there, uh, Dr. Tiki Suarez. Mm -hmm. We interned at AT&T years and years ago, and she brought me down to, to FAMU to speak to the students uh, Gosh, it might, it might be five years ago, so I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back. I was thoroughly impressed with the students when I was there last, thoroughly impressed. Well, I think you'll be even more impressed now because we we have a, wow, we have an awesome new president who was actually our provost at one time, and he's, done, he's doing some great things. 
he's he's setting us up to get back to our level of excellence that made us the college of the year in 1999. Hey, sounds good. Sounds good. What what can the students or the, the participants that are coming into FAMU this weekend, what can they expect? I don't want you to, to, to give everything away that you're going to talk with them about, but give us a little something of what they should expect uh, when you come. Well, I, I want to talk about the kind of the why for entrepreneurship. I mean, why is entrepreneurship such a an important consideration for uh particularly for for the black community and how my my journey to becoming an entrepreneur has kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities that are there that uh that there is this tremendous gap uh between the black community and other communities as far as as wealth is concerned and I'm not talking about income I'm talking about wealth uh there's a there's, there's a big difference income is, is how much you bring in, how much you earn. Uh, wealth is, is how much you own. Um, you can make a lot of money and own nothing. Um, and in fact, you can make very little money and own a lot. And uh, wealth is what is lasting. Income is, is just a matter of, of uh, what you get today. Wealth is a matter of what you can have for a lifetime. And entrepreneurship is perhaps the most prevalent uh, way to build significant amounts of wealth but not for the sake of building wealth. Uh, I believe in building wealth for the sake of creating greater opportunity for others uh, by providing jobs, providing employment, economic development. Uh, I look at what you know, Oprah Winfrey has been able to do with wealth or Bill Gates has been able to do with wealth, and they've been able to transform um, you know, segments of our, of our globe, be it Africa, be it libraries, be it AIDS, uh, and, and other kinds of efforts that they've been able to spearhead uh, as a result of what they've been able to amass. So I'm going to touch on those themes and try to drive those home and then, um, and then kind of zero in on uh, opportunities in technology uh, uh, specifically. So I'm going to kind of marry all of that together and, uh, and look forward to engaging the uh, folks that come out for the talk. Awesome, awesome. You know, I... My actual day job, I actually work with technology, too. So it was kind of interesting when, as I was going through your information. I'm like, wow, this guy is cool, you know, because you know how most people think of tech guys as being geeky and, you know, nerdy and all that stuff. Well, I don't consider myself to be geeky or nerdy. And as I was reading through your information, I'm like, you know, he's not geeky and nerdy. He has substance. You know, he has you know, worth, you know, and, and I'm not saying that because you've been successful, but that's what that's what I gather just from, you know, just looking at what you're doing because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of like the Bill Gates with merit before he became the, you know, the Bill Gates that he is now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm humbled by the, humbled by the analogy. Uh, I, I would just respond by saying that uh, you know there, there you know there is the uh, I guess the stereotype of the of the engineer or the technologist or what have you and uh, you know I think we all uh, in, in in what we do uh, defy those kinds of stereotypes that uh, you know you don't you don't have to be uh, a nerd to be great at technology. Um, you know that I, and I talk to young people all the time about that. You know, you know, don't, you know, don't subscribe to the stereotype. Just break, break the mold. Um, you know, be the the uh, be the young person who you know who's great at math but is also a poet. You know what I mean? Like be the yeah. be the actor who can also write a, write write a best selling book. Um, you know, be the athlete who can get a four point um, Be the the radio host who who can also, you know, speak to and motivate and inspire young people in prisons. I mean, I know you guys feel me on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm jumping I mean, up and down in my seat. <laughs> so, you know, I just say break the mold. And I, I describe that as the power of and, uh, A and D, that I don't have to be uh, an engineer or an entrepreneur or uh, a community servant. I could be an engineer and an entrepreneur and a community servant. I can, I can be all those things. 
and and the minute we restrict ourselves to believing that it has to be this or that or that is the is the very second that we will deny ourselves the opportunity of becoming this and that and that. Wow, that's awesome. You know, uh, Dr. Pinkett, so many people are afraid of starting their own business. I talk with a lot of people all the time. Brian and I, we, we own our business. And I, I want you to tell them how important it is if you want to be an entrepreneur and to have your own business where you can uh, schedule your time at work and when you can decide if you want to go to work today or, or how much work you want to get done. How important is that? Could you repeat that? You said how, how important is it? <laughs> My question was how important is it to for people out there that want to get their own business, but they're afraid to step out on faith and try it, okay. basically? Well, you know, I say to those people what uh, what Nike has been saying for, for years. I say just do it. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, and I say that with all sincerity. Uh, I don't want to diminish the importance of, of planning and preparation and you know developing a business plan and doing market research and building a team. Those are all important things. I talk about all that in, in, in Campus CEO. Uh, but at the same time, there comes a point when you just have to pull the switch, you know, uh, pull the lever, step out on faith, um, believe that whatever you can conceive that you can achieve and not let anything hold you back. You know, part of what I did for Campus CEO was I, I did interviews with uh, young entrepreneurs. And, you know, you look out into the marketplace and you see a number of successful companies that were established by young people, Google, Yahoo, Facebook, YouTube, Kinko's, Federal Express, Pizza Hut. I mean, it's a long list. I'm just giving you a short list. But the, but the, the one message that came through and through every interview was what separated the winners from the losers were those who were willing to just step out and just do it, that, uh, that there are legions, and I'm talking legions of people who did everything that they could to prepare to start a company except start the company. Yes. <laughs> You know, they, they, they went through all the planning and all the, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and then were afraid to pull the, to, to pull the switch. Um, so I said to anyone listening who's on the fence, get off the fence. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, and I, I don't want to oversell this, uh, so take this with a grain of salt, but at the end of the day, in many instances, not all, but in many, if it doesn't work out, you can just go back to doing what you were already doing. Hmm. Just to give it a shot. <laughs> yes. Well said. Well said. Dr. Pinker, we got about a minute left in our show. I want you to just real quick give us the information for your books that you have out and uh, some of the other things that you're doing. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I've got uh, two products out now. For those that want to learn more, they can go to randallpinkett.com. Uh, they can learn more about the products, or there's a contact Randall link. They can send me a message. Uh, the first book is Campus CEO, The Student Entrepreneur's Guide to Launching a Multi-Million Dollar Business. And uh, while the book is uh, kind of geared towards students, I would argue that it would be beneficial to anyone who is considering getting into business or uh, would be an aspiring entrepreneur. The, uh, the second product is an audio book and that is the No Money Down CEO, How to Start Your Dream Business with Little or No Cash. And that is for any, anyone who's looking to get into business and is like me and has little or no money but wants to get a venture off the ground, uh, how do you do it? How do you, how do you creatively pull together what you've got um, and make a dollar out of 15 cents? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dr. Pinker, we greatly, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Yes. And uh, we thank you again for spending a whole hour with us, actually. Yes. Greg, would you go ahead and take us out? Yes, Dr. Pinker, thank you so much. And for all of those out there that are listening, tonight's show was all, it was about you being more, doing more, and having more. And I really do believe, uh, Dr. Pinker, that you did plant 
uh, the seeds in a lot of people tonight, and I know that they'll grow and their harvest will be plenty. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we we want our listeners to be back with us on Wednesday night. God bless.